Welcome to the Social Feed Podcast. I'm your host, Missy. We're coming at you from the Hubbard Broadcasting Studios here in the Twin Cities. Thank you for listening, and this week is episode 57. Today we have with us our guest is Phil Mackey. Hello. Welcome, Phil. Um, Phil Mackey is a talk show host and podcaster for Hubbard Broadcasting, and he was voted Minnesota's Sportscaster of the Year by the National Sports Media Association. In his role as an on-demand content director, Phil helps Hubbard um, audio with all things <laughs> podcast related um, and helping us reach larger audiences outside of radio. Today's episode is sponsored by Hey Orca. Hey Orca makes social media planning for agencies easy. Our team has used Hey Orca over the past year and it has made our communication and content distribution process much more seamless as an agency. It's such an easy platform for us and our clients to use. The layout makes it a perfect tool for working both on a day-to-day and month-to-month basis. It allows you to lay out content in an easy-to-understand dashboard. Not only is that content calendar straightforward when plugged into Hey Orca, but when it's approved, that content is scheduled to automatically go out on all of your platforms. The approval process with clients is great because there's never a question about if the content is good to go. And it has not only sped up our communication time with clients, but it allows us to communicate with the clients directly in Hey Orca, allowing us to focus more on client communication in the tool versus tons more emails going back and forth. It's a tool we use daily, and we, as well as our clients, can't imagine going back to spreadsheets. See how you can seamlessly plan for multiple clients and get content approvals in the ultimate sandbox for marketing at heyorca.com. So let's get into this week's episode number 57, Transforming a Traditional Brand in a Digital World. So for those of you listening, um, Hubbard Broadcasting, which is where we're hosting this podcast out of and is our parent company. And we have three radio stations in the Twin Cities market. We have KS95, we have MyTalk 107, and then we also have another brand called 1500 ESPN. And 1500 has been on the radio for... Phil, how many years? 1925. 1925. So, yeah, what? Almost 100 years. A long time. And on August 10th, we had some huge changes that we made to 1500 ESPN. Yeah. So, Phil, I want you to talk about that a little bit. And that kind of is going to lead into our entire discussion. Yeah, today. I mean, from 30,000 feet, we're, our grand master plan here, which we're still filling in the details, is to to morph from just being an AM radio station for almost 100 years to being a multi-platform sports content delivery brand, if you will, that uses AM radio as one of its megaphones. And in theory, that sounds great. Cool. Okay, let's let's just start posting on Instagram, right? Let's just start, hey, YouTube, let's start using YouTube. Okay, well... What does that look like? What type of content? This is the audio is our core competency, and audio is what most people in all departments on the radio side here know how to do. So, to what degree can we tweak and train the people who are already here? Versus, do we need to start looking for for people outside the organization that have never been in radio before? So. Um, the answer is a little bit of both, and in the end, I think, th- th- first of all, this is simultaneously really exciting and super scary because it's a model that you haven't really been forced to think about until recently. I mean, 10 or 15 years ago, even AM radio stations were still fairly significant blowtorches, but, and it probably varies by market. If you're in Chicago, you're still going to reach a lot more people with an AM radio station than you would in the Twin Cities, but I think we've seen some research that says 
in some markets, maybe even this one, there's a lot more people that listen to CDs in their cars than AM radio. And like CDs are oh, what? antiquated, right? <laughs> Good point. So how do we, essentially, how do we take a step back from distribution, which is what AM radio is, and look at it from a content first, production second, distribution third standpoint? Let's start with strong content, strong brands, audio centric, because that's what we know. But then how do we how do we layer production in and around that content to maximize our exposure on Instagram, Twitter, slash Periscope, YouTube, Facebook, et cetera, right? And um, it all sounds great in theory, but <laughs> I, as you can see, I have bags under my eyes trying to solve all these problems. So <laughs> what I love about this discussion is we're talking about, you know, taking AM radio and bring it into kind of a different dimension and area. Mm-hmm. But for the business owners listening, you know, that is an everyday world from them where they might have been in business for 50, 60, 70, 100 years, mm-hmm. like 1500 is, and they need to keep up to date with all the changes going on. So I think a lot of the the takeaways from what we discussed today is really going to help them just how do we stay relevant <laughs> Correct. in this and, world. And it's really, I, we, we've actually tried to get rid of the words radio and podcasting because those words can be hangups. Are you, are you, is it a radio show or do you, do you do a podcast? No, let's take a step back. You create quality audio content. And now how you produce it might be a little bit differently or how you tweak it in post-production or how you even set up the delivery of it. But ultimately, whether you're a, whether you're a brand like ours, which is looking to build audiences and then bring advertising clients in and partner them with the audiences, or whether you're a, a brand looking to connect with audiences for other reasons, if you don't start with quality content, game over. Okay, step two is if you can't tell people that exists or bring that content to people where they're already consuming it, game over. And then step three would be if you can master those first two steps, monetization or whatever your whatever your end goal would be. So it, it really is a complete reshaping of the way that we go about delivery and thinking about the industry. But in the end, it's the same model. It's do good work and create entertaining, compelling content and ship it off to people, right? So I don't know, like Instagram to me is like, I've always had a hard time in the sports media realm because Instagram has been so far behind Twitter in terms of where our audience lives. But there's more active users on Instagram than there are on Twitter. Well, we use Twitter for live interaction during games. Mm -hmm. So it's if people follow along, if the Timberwolves or the Vikings are playing, it's easy to build audiences on Twitter because people are following live events and retweeting and interacting. Okay, well, how do we, if we know that there's more active users on Instagram, but you're not going to use it for live in-game interaction, what is the way to connect with your audiences on Instagram? So we're trying to figure things like that out too. Maybe Instagram isn't the thing that we monetize in the end, but if we can build that funnel and direct people back to the things that are more sellable, then it's a win. So you're talking I'm rambling about, now. But. You're, you're talking about content <laughs> no, and, and staying core to what 1500 has always been about is creating great content, mm-hmm. audio content in this in this case. So when you're talking about moving to a different platform like Instagram or figuring out how best to use Twitter and stuff, how does the original content you've been creating or you're you're basing this new brand off of how does that play into social interactions and yeah. you know online interactions at this point? Yeah. So again. I don't want to act like I have all of the answers here. I think we no, have. Go ahead. I think we have a. <laughs> I think we have a good vision for where we think this industry is going. And I, when I say this industry, I, I guess I mean the sports media industry, um, which which could mirror other industries too. But I'm going to answer your question in a roundabout way because I don't think it's as simple as 
we did a really good podcast. Let's go. Let's put a clip on YouTube with visuals. I mean, I think it goes beyond that. I think it's about. I think it's about content verticals. In fact, I'm going to use wrestling as an example here. I'm sure there has there has to be a My w- favorite a WWE <laughs> fan out there somewhere. And and there's other examples of this where you have parent brand and WWE is a parent brand. And then you have these silos or verticals that or call them sub brands underneath. So for WWE, it would be WrestleMania or Monday Night Raw uh, is their weekly Monday show. Um, Royal Rumble in January, right? all these different verticals. And then within each of those verticals, they have TV components. They have social media components. They have podcast components. Uh, digital video components, and then they have different contributors to each one of those verticals. So let's say uh, I'll, I'll use a real-world example in the in the sports media realm. Uh, the Ringer does a really good job with its parent brand. Bill Simmons left ESPN and joined HBO and created The Ringer as this digital new-age sports media company. And so they have The Ringer NBA show, The Ringer NFL show. And so they not only do they have audio brands within each audio feed. They have social media handles that interact in certain ways on Instagram and on Twitter and so forth. And then they do, they'll do live video chats that are highly produced that look like TV shows, pull the audio, put it in an audio feed, et cetera. Right. So it's truly, it's, it's, it's creating whatever that niche is or that brand. It could be, I mean, we have at my talk, Marley McMillan does a podcast called you get a rose. Okay. Well, that's a vertical underneath the, my talk umbrella. You Get a Rose has radio components. It has podcast components. It has social standalone social media handles on Instagram and and on Twitter. And sometimes you've got photos of Becca, the Bachelorette, on the Instagram account. Sometimes you've got clips that are visual from the actual show, right? But it's about it's about creating content within that branded vertical, if if you will. So as far as Kind of going back to like the 1500 ESPN branding. And when you go from something like radio into the podcast space, is it just kind of like a stop and start? Or if someone's wanting to kind of do you do teasers, what's been that strategy about slowly trickling that over into that more digital world? Yeah. So it's it's hard because I think I think our audience on the radio side tends to skew a little older. So there's an education process. If you listen to us, if like and I'm I'm sort of I'm just spitballing here because I don't have the actual data in front of me. But I bet if you took listeners to my radio show or listeners of my radio show and uh, and took an average age and you know demographic profile and then compared that to the people that follow me on Twitter, there's definitely some overlap. But then there's a lot of there's, there's Instagram and Twitter probably skews a little bit younger in terms of who consumes my content there or our show's content there. <clears throat> radio might be a little bit older. So. There's an education process on the radio side compared to Twitter. You can throw up an audiogram video and people know like, oh, this is how you consume content on Twitter or Facebook because I'm just immersed in it. But if you tell people on the radio, hey, go listen to our podcast, half the audience might not have even done that before. So there's a podcast, right? (laughs) So there's literally an education of how do you if we want you to consume this thing over here in this digital space. We can't just say, hey, go consume that thing in that digital space. We have to be mindful that there might be thousands of people that have never gone to that digital space before. How do we educate them? And then from there, to answer your original question, are there ways that we can provide, if if radio is more long form or if podcasts are more long form, can we provide snackable, smaller pieces of content on these other... If I only have 
your attention for 30 or 60 seconds on Instagram or on Twitter? How can I maximize that 30 or 60 seconds? And I think for a long time, radio has done a bad job, not just us, but radio across the country. I follow a lot of radio stations and radio personalities on Twitter, and they're getting better at it. But if your strategy has been, hey, we're interacting on Twitter right now. Now that I have your attention, here's a link to this other thing, this website over here, right? And sometimes I'll click on that link because well, you know, maybe it's maybe it's an article that's engaging. But if you don't have a way to provide something of value on the platform that the audience is already consuming content, then it's going to be hard to connect and, and build that audience. So going back to the education piece, what are some of your tactics for educating people? Because man, we put we literally put banners up at the state fair. We had we had like how to download a podcast. Well, or like what did you what like what you put up? Well, one good example. So Garage Logic has been one of the most popular and successful radio shows in the state of Minnesota's history, right? And part of the announcement two months ago was Garage Logic would no longer be on the radio as of September 10th. It would only be available via podcast. Well. They're having a great time. They're, you know, Joe Suture is was a little scared about this podcast space, but when you break it down, Joe, you're you're still going to do the same show, tweaked a little bit, and you're still going to reach people with it. It's just it might not be quite the same live interaction that you would have with your audience. And he, you know, but he bought in, and so we knew that that audience skewed a little older. You know, that show's been around for thirty years on an AM station, and and they've built this cult following. And so we literally put banners up at the state fair that said, go to, to, to hear Garage Logic on September 10th and beyond. Go to garagelogic.com or subscribe on your phone via Apple Podcast app if you want to be that adventurous. So, so it can literally be as simple as go to where people are that you want to consume it, what it is that you're driving them to and tell them as explicitly as possible. If you know, and if and if they can find different ways besides garagelogic.com and you want to be exploratory beyond that, awesome. But if this is the place you're going to find it, let's make that website really easily clickable. Here's a play button. You just have to click it and you can listen. I think all of our the three radio stations here in the cities are dealing with that same thing in the uh, smart speaker realm too. Yeah, because that's a new that's new for literally everybody mm-hmm. but it's the same thing you literally have to tell them and show them via video or whatever exactly what to do yes to get this radio station on you know on your amazon alexa device and it's the same education process yeah that's for everybody one thing so missy and i were actually at a hubbard digital summit a few weeks ago in phoenix and one thing of the three days of awesome mind-blowing stuff that we learned and discussed I don't remember the exact numbers, but the gap between the percentage of Americans that have a smart speaker right now, and it's like 25% of Americans have a smart speaker, and then the the percentage of people that actually know how to use it or actively, <laughs> you know, will, you know, actually will 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 go into some of these what what's it uh, the um the little like 1 minute audio updates that you can get. What um, the flash briefing? The flash yeah, briefing. Flash like, briefing. Like, like people have no idea how to get a flash briefing because it's easy to get a smart speaker. Everyone has, a, you know, a little hockey puck sized oh, yeah. uh, echo little dot little or whatever Alexa, right yep. but then you get it in your home and it's like uh outside of calling out a band or something what, what do i do with this thing so use, it's gonna take it a while your kitchen timer that's yeah that's pretty <laughs> much that i think right. was one of the number one things people use it for <laughs> yeah. is their kitchen yeah. timer at some point it's going to be used to control everything in our homes and it's going to be used to control our tvs and and we'll be able to call for whatever we want in audio form but right now we stare at them and have no idea how to use them so to to pat's point how do we educate people as brands too. And there's a lot of radio stations. This is another completely new discussion too. 
young people don't listen to radio on the radio. They listen <gasps> to it via streams, what? right? So, <laughs> so if you, you know, as we get older here and new generations come into the content fold, let's use KS95 as an example. Wouldn't a young person wonder, what does 95 mean? What does the, the KS mean? I know these are discussions that every radio station is having. So how do you make it, uh, how do you maintain a brand as you move further away from traditional forms of distribution? And then how do you make it something that you can call out on a smart speaker so that there's not 53 versions of the point or the zone or the fan or whatever it is that you're calling out, right? So on the on the back end, like on the station side of things, uh, specifically for fifteen hundred, you were talking about education of people that work here too as we transition to whatever this new thing is. So mm-hmm. there's the education piece for listeners and consumers of whatever content you're going to be making. But what does that look like for education of for you and your coworkers? At yeah, I think so. I think first of all, in the hiring process, even it's a. It, it's a lot less important for people to know technical skills because technical skills and platforms are all evolving, right? So you might hire someone, we're going to hire an Instagram expert today. And then tomorrow, like, well, what about this other platform that just exploded? So you, you almost have to, it's more about the personality type and leadership traits and, and things in that bin. And then people who are able to adapt and learn on the fly. I mean, like I was talking to you the other day about, okay, here we want to do live video streaming, more, just more heavy duty, highly produced live video streaming. We really don't know how to do that, but <laughs> we're going to ask smarter people than us how to, what equipment do we need? And what's the, you know, what's the most basic setup to how teach people at a base level? And then if we have to bring in more expert level people beyond that, but I don't know. I think, I think keeping everything as simple as possible, but Looking for people. I mean, it might have been that 20 years ago, you would never hire a radio producer or DJ that didn't go to radio school, right? You would never hire... You had to go to Brown College or you had to go to a broadcasting school. Now, I almost feel like if you're not looking outside... If you're not looking to bring people in from outside what's been a 100-year run of radio to learn new things about other forms of distribution, then you're going to fall further behind, right? I mean, I want, I, personally, I want people on our team that can teach me something about YouTube because it's the second largest search engine in the world. Why would we not try to reach people through the second largest search engine in the world? Would we ever say, well, we don't need Google. Let's take all of our stuff <laughs> off Google, right? That would be ridiculous. I'm but going back I, to Ask Jeeves. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Ask Jeeves. Lycos. We're going to Lycos. <laughs> there we go. Hotbot.com was always my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So you talked about the three pillars of kind of the overall new brand, like you mentioned content, production, distribution. How how do you see those working together? And I know you can't announce the new brand name yet, um, but let's let's get a little more into the nitty gritty of what that's going to look like. Yes. So that's a really, that's a, kind of a complicated question. Because, <laughs> not a because, lot of like, facets yeah. of that. <laughs> no, it's, it's, I think, I think it's about Making sure that so I'll just use the sports media industry as an example, but this could apply to almost almost any form of brand or content creation. How can you take advantage of popular niches? How can you take advantage of peak moments of interest? And how can you take advantage of opportunities to reach masses of people, right? So for Vikings content, for instance, can you put compelling people on shows, whether it's radio, podcasting, or visual, talking about things that Vikings fans want in an entertaining way, and then capitalize 
in terms of timeliness on those peak moments of interest, the games, the big trades, the big signings. And that's kind of your base level. This is, this is your base level uh, philosophy. And then beyond that, okay, if it is a, if it is a, a radio show, how are we going to make sure that this awesome show or this awesome thing that happened for two minutes on the show, how do we make sure that we tell people on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook that this thing happened or just flat out deliver them the content, right? So um, that's such a tricky thing to navigate because you definitely want talented hosts that can first and foremost engage people on camera or on the microphone but then you need these multifaceted production layers around it and so i'd be lying if i said we had it all figured out but i think that's the direction that content is going i mean if you're just telling if you're just doing radio now and you had something awesome happen and 90 percent of the world doesn't know what happened because they don't listen to your radio station or your radio show well you better be able to tell people where they're hanging out this is what happened and this is how you can consume it in an easier way. What about production value and all that? Because coming from the radio side of things, everything was fairly highly produced, whether yeah. you're doing a live show out at an event or whether you're in the studio or creating commercials or something. So everything had a pretty high level of production value. How does that change in this world where we've got to put it on different platforms, basically the same content yeah. in different places? I think, I, think it's, I think production value is overrated, but I don't think it's irrelevant. I mean, we're sitting here using the same podcast equipment that we use for a lot of our top downloaded shows, and these are $10 stage microphones that we're talking into right now. And these are $12 cords that are plugged into a fairly nice recorder, but I mean, it's not like we spent $10,000 on this recording equipment. Sorry to spoil that for the listeners. <laughs> oh, you know? the picture of this big, beautiful studio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're sitting in a conference room that has, that has a box TV from the 90s. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. But I think... I don't. I don't think you should sound like you're sitting in uh, in the in the basement of a tin building from 20 feet away. Certainly, I mean, there's got to be some level of production quality so that people listening in their cars or on their headphones or whatever, or you know, in our case, if it's being broadcast also through a radio signal that's an AM signal, you know, there's got to be a level of of production quality. But ultimately, content and timeliness are more important than production quality, in my opinion. And, and we would always lean toward if you've got something compelling and it's got to be on selfie cam because that's how you're going to reach 3,000 people right now, do it. If you can, if you can put 3,000 people in a room and consume what you're about to put out and it's you on a selfie cam, don't hesitate because you don't have a full live stream video setup. If you, if, if the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are always in crisis mode, find themselves <laughs> in crisis mode and you've got something to say about it, oh man, but, the radio studio is booked. Oh, grab a $10 stage microphone and a recorder and make something happen. And if you have to sacrifice 25% audio quality, but you get timeliness and you get good content out of it, then I, I, you should never hesitate in our world. Love it. What are some, I mean, that's a great tip right there. My next question was going to be, are there any other tips that you can give to people who are kind of in this transitional period of going from a more trend, traditional um, business and trying to transform it? Yeah. Don't feel Seems like, like a lot of hustle is the main yes. word that comes to mind. Yes. Well, I, to, to that point, don't feel like you have to. Sometimes it feels like things are moving so fast in media and in content and social media and distribution that your first instinct is, oh, I got to 
become an expert in this or how am I going to be able to learn it? I don't think that's true or possible because you can't, you're not going to devote 40 hours a week to education necessarily. So can you, can you ask the right questions? Can you be curious? And can you, are you secure enough to ask people that are smarter than you to help you? And are you okay admitting that you might not know everything? And the minute that you're okay, not knowing everything and seeking the answers through good questions, I think you're in a good spot. Um, when can we see the new brand launch? I honestly, a, honest answer, yet? I don't know. I'm we, trying to get all the not, details on this podcast. We do, <laughs> right now. we do not, we do not have a date. I would guess before the 2018 calendar year is over. In fact, if it's not before the 2018 calendar year, then I'm probably going to get in trouble for <laughs> dragging this process along too long. But yeah, I would say, um, regardless of when we launch, we want this to be something that in two or three years, and, and we're not going to get it perfect, I'm sure, out of the gate, but we want it to be a model that is sustainable for 10 years that, okay, regardless of where people are consuming, we can make that pivot. And um, we're excited. We're also constantly questioning whether we know what we're doing on a daily basis, but we'll see. So if um, if people were wanting to kind of get updates on what's going on, do they just go to 1500ESPN.com or yeah. is that going to do a complete flip as well? Well, it'll redirect at the very least if oh, we change okay. the website name. All but right. 1500ESPN.com is where you can keep an eye on what we're doing now. Cool. And I don't know if people want to, I'm sure I'll have stuff on my Twitter account. So at Phil Mackey is where you can find me on Twitter. New content versus content you guys have been doing for a long time. How What's the percentage of new stuff that you guys are working on or have started working on maybe versus old stuff that you're still going to be keeping going forward? Yeah. So I think we're always going to operate in, well, not, yeah, I mean, timeliness of new stories and things that happen in the sports world is always going to be part of what we do. It's going to be the heartbeat of what we do the Viking season is going on and here's what happened on Sunday and like reacting to the things that fans are, we're kind of riding that wave with fans. Right. But the area that I'm really curious to explore is this more evergreen storytelling space of content. And there's so many great companies. I mean, Gimlet media does a great job with this and there's so many great podcast storytelling companies that'll do little six to 10 part series. I mean, ESPN has this 30 for 30 brand where they'll do docu series on, they'll do individual episodes or they'll do docu series over five episodes, exploring the 1990s U S men's soccer team and why it fell apart. And I love evergreen storytelling stuff that whether it's sports or not, you can discover it two years after the fact. It's almost like Netflix. Oh man, have you seen breaking bad or to, to have stuff that's a little less timely, a little heavier on, production would be so much fun to explore and we're not anywhere near that point right now because we have to focus on the heartbeat of this first but i would love to be able to tell stories or help 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 create projects that lead to great storytelling yeah i think that's the way to stand out too because almost anyone can react to what's happening it's pretty easy to get a microphone or start a social media account and react to what's happening right but if you can layer elements on top of that and and you know obviously where we have a head start is we are we have we're a radio production company and so can we use our resources to tell better stories so we'll see if we get to that point <laughs> yeah that'd be exciting yeah. yeah i love it um is there any other you mentioned like the evergreen content with the storytelling um with the people that you're going to be hiring to add to your team to mm-hmm. grow it are you, those qualities that you're looking for is more writers um we yeah we definitely i I, writing is always going to be an important aspect of what we do 
not necessarily because you know we're not a newspaper company and that our written content is going to lead to revenue coming in directly. I mean, it leads to some. But I think written content is a really good way for audiences to get a feel for how someone's mind works or even to just increase your funnel sizes. So if, if I, I, you know, I probably wouldn't have discovered um, certain platforms that I now listen to podcasts on if it wasn't for written content first. So written content as a gateway to your personalities, as a gateway to your brand, and, and even as a gateway to your audio and video content. Yeah, so we're, it's, I think gone are the days where in this industry, you only do one thing. You're only a host. You're only a board operator in radio. You're only, um, whatever. You're only a producer. I think, I think if you can't talk a little bit, tell a little story, push some buttons, maybe do some writing and know your way around some social media platforms. You better brush up, I guess, <laughs> in this industry. What are some podcasts um, that just that you listen to that you love that you're like, oh, this is a great storytelling podcast to check yeah. out? Or and you got to obviously shamelessly plug some of your own podcast too. Yeah, well, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, our po- purple podcast is our most popular. It's just a Vikings podcast that incorporates some storytelling, uh, a lot of analysis, and break it down. I, I believe it's five episodes a week now, and you can also find Vikings Vent Line where callers are ranting about whatever happened in the game but in terms of stuff that i like and i listen to i the tim ferris show is one that i really got hooked on from three or four years ago where he he sits down and talks with peak performers across the world it could be anyone from tony robbins to you know professional athletes to entrepreneurs and uh co-founders i love diving into the why of things and peak performance. So that podcast definitely resonates. Uh, for for Minnesota listeners, if you haven't listened to, is it Into the Dark, the Jacob Waterling storytelling series? Oh, I just listened to that one. 10 or 12 episodes, in-depth reporting over the course of two or three years. Incredible. One. If you're looking, how do you put together a story in an arc over the course of 12 episodes? I mean, they had a staff, I'm sure, of 15 people working on that thing. So it's awesome. And it was American public media. Stuff like that is super compelling. And um, I oftentimes also will listen to Bill Simmons. He's a Bill Simmons sports guy. He does a lot of he Boston Celtics fan, Patriots fan, was at ESPN. And now he, he's, he founded The Ringer and HBO, and et cetera, like we talked about earlier. But he does these long-form interviews. He did one with Matt Damon the other day that they talked about Matt Damon's movie career for an hour and a half. And Matt Damon told all these stories about, you know, all these big time actors in the nineties and how they were fighting for roles and Ben Affleck stories and Ed Norton stories. I don't know. I just, I love that type of stuff where you get to know people over the course of an hour, hour and a half that you might not otherwise have heard from. I love it. Yeah. There's, there's so many good ones. I know you and I bonded over Gary Vee a little bit. That's a great, great actually that's another, we should hit on that for a second because so people think of digital audio as a podcast, right? And like that's one thing to call it. But Gary Vee doesn't call his podcast feed a podcast feed. He calls it an audio experience. And he'll post five or seven things a week on that. And sometimes it's a traditional podcast like we're doing right here with microphones. Other times it might be a three-minute rant from his phone in an Uber. It could be... And he has a producer following him and a videographer, so he's always got a lapel microphone on. So he might be on a street corner meeting up with some people on Twitter, 
and and there'll be some grainy footage of him that you find on his YouTube page, but they pull that audio and it's him like talking to some young entrepreneur for five minutes and that makes it to the audio feed. I love that stuff. A podcast doesn't have to be 30 minutes or 60 minutes. And sometimes if you got something to say into your phone for five minutes and it's on brand, so to speak, upload that thing to the feed, right? And that's what he does such a great... He'll, he'll do 45-minute keynote speeches at colleges and get their permission to put those on his audio feed. And I think that stuff is really compelling. Yeah. For those listening, if you haven't heard of Gary Vee, check him out. He's got... He's got some crazy branding he does. Um, I'm part yeah. of his text message, his text message program that you can sign up for. And he gives me like social media, like marketing updates, like once a week through text. Wow. You it, just, it's crazy the things he gets into. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I love, but yeah. And he uses his content is mostly a loss leader for him. It's just a gateway to, and, and he runs a sports agency, but most importantly, he runs a, a digital marketing agency and they help create content for brands and whatever they do. And so everything he's doing on his social media is just to to build his funnel, right? And yeah. to help people too. I, I I think there's he's a little brash, but I think there's yeah, a genuine and to swear at people a lot. So. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So even he's fun to follow for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Check out fifteenespn.com to see when the new brand launches. I'm super excited. I'll be following following that for sure. Um, all the links today that we talked about in the podcast will be in the show notes section at socialfeedpodcast.com slash ep57. Thank you, Phil, for being on today. It was Thank great you. chatting. Super fun. Yeah. And thanks, Pat, as always, for being our producer. Um, We will see you guys all next week. The Social Feed is a production of Hubbard Interactive with music provided by Minneapolis-based artist John Atwell. Today's episode is sponsored by Hey Orca. Hey, everyone. My name is Joe. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Hey Orca. We created Hey Orca with very different roles and permissions. So what you'll see in Hey Orca is that you, you can have your clients as just an approval. Or you can have your clients as an active member of the social media team. From your client's standpoint, if they're just an approver and if they just want to see what's most relevant at any given time, they don't need a Heyorka account. You'll get a shareable link. You send it to them. They can go right into Heyorka, see exactly what content's going to be posted, approve it, or provide you with feedback. The other way of collaborating is that they want to be part of the social media team. And so... The way you can do that is you can invite them as a user on Hey Orca, and they'll be able to create content and be able to collaborate in real time with the with the agency. See how you can seamlessly plan for multiple clients and get content approvals in the ultimate sandbox for marketing at HeyOrca.com.